Happy Sabbath. I'd like to welcome you all to Holder Church, invite you to read scripture with us. I'd also like to welcome those who are watching online. It really is a happy Sabbath. Turn with me to Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. That's page 897 in your pew Bible. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, I don't know about you guys, but after 40 days of not eating, I would be really starving. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and just worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. We all go through pain. You go through pain, I go through pain. It doesn't matter whether you're going through a divorce, dealing with substance abuse, or you're losing a loved one. We all go through pain. What I would like to call what Jesus went through and what we go through, hard times, tribulations, trials, a crucible. Now, for those of you who don't know what a crucible is, the literal definition is a ceramic or metal container, a cup in which metals or other substances may be melted or subjected to very high temperatures. Another definition is a situation of severe trial or in which different metals and elements interact, leading to the creation of something new. When we go through pain, it changes us. When we go through hard times, trials, it changes us. And that can be for the better. There was once a man who lived in China a long time ago. Now, he lived next to the Great Wall, and he loved two things. A breeding horses. This man loved collecting horses, and he had many horses of very rare sorts, and they were beautiful. But he had one favorite horse, a brown stallion, and he loved it. The second thing he loved was his son, which he loved more than breeding horses. Now his son and him, they would ride these horses together through the countryside next to the wall, and look how beautiful the earth was. They would just live in the moment and loved riding together. One day, they came back from a ride, put their horses away, and they went inside. But they left the gate open, and his brown stallion got out. All the villagers, the people from the neighboring towns came to the man, and they said, this is a very bad thing. This is very bad luck. You have lost your favorite horse. And the man said, maybe. A week later, the brown stallion came back. But with it, it brought a beautiful white mare. 
And the man knew that this was a very rare and exotic horse, and he was pleased. And again, the people came to him, and they said, wow, this is a very great thing. You should be happy. And the man said, maybe. Many years later, when his boy had grown older, he gave the white mare to the boy as a present. The boy was off riding, for he had grown older and stronger, and he could ride by himself now. But it had just rained, and the boy and the horse slipped, and the horse landed on the boy, breaking his leg, making him lame. He would walk forever with a limp. Again, the villagers came, and they said, this is a very bad thing. You should punish the horse. You should have it killed for what it did to your son. And the man said this time, no, I will do no such thing. For he knew he could not go back and change what had happened in the past. He was just happy that his son was living and alive. Two years later, after the accident with the horse, war came to China. It was a very gruesome war with many casualties. And all the people were required to send their sons to war. The soldiers came knocking on doors. Where is your son? We need him for war. And the villagers sent their sons away. But they had one name that was on the list that was not there. They went to the man's house. Where is your son? He is on the list for war. And the man said, but my son cannot fight, for he is lame. And they went, and they saw, and he was lame. And they left. They said, we cannot use your son. He will stay here with you. And again the villagers came, and they said, this is very good luck. You are very lucky your son is lame, for he might have died in war. And the man said, maybe. Now, the parable, or the moral of the story, is that the man was always content with what he had. No matter what it was, hardship, trials, his son was lame, his horse ran away. He was happy, and he never lost his faith or his trust in the Lord. Turn with me to Genesis 22, verses 1 through 18, which is page 13 in your pew Bible. Oh, page 18. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am, Lord. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went down, so they, so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. 
Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. There's so much we can learn from this story. Not only did God test Abraham, he also used it as a way to foreshadow what he would be doing many years later with his son. Now, Abraham, Isaac, and God had a relationship, covenant, a bond, a pact. This relationship was built on trust. Abraham told his son that the land would be provided, and Isaac trusted him. I trust my father, but I think I would have asked more questions. No? Like, where's the lamb? Now, Jesus, Abraham, and Isaac all trusted the Lord. That's the reason that they all passed the test. The first temptation. I call the first temptation self-sufficiency. The temptation is to not trust God and to do it your own way, if you will. Abraham's test was a very good example of this. Now turn with me to Genesis 17, 1 through 8, which is page 13. When Abram was 90 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Now we're going back in time before the pact between Abraham and God was sealed. This is when they're making the pact. That I may make you my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God has a covenant with his people, with us. Covenant that is based on trust, that we trust him and allow him to be our shield, our comforter, our protector, our healer. Turn with me now to Deuteronomy 9, 15 through 17, which is page 171 in the Pew Bibles. So I turned and came down from the mountain, and the mountain was burning with fire, and the two tablets of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had made yourselves a golden calf. 
You had turned aside quickly from the way that the Lord had commanded you. So I took the two tablets of the covenant and threw them out of my hands and broke them before your eyes. This is Moses. He had been on the mountain with God, finding and making these stones that represented the covenant between Israel and God. When Moses broke the two stones of the covenant, not only was he breaking them out of anger, but it was symbolic. The covenant between God and his people had shattered, just like the stones, because Israel chose to be self-sufficient. They were away from God, away from their leader, and they built themselves a golden calf, an idol, something new for them. Moses breaks the covenant, Israel, excuse me, breaks the covenant with the idol, and they became self-sufficient. Moses, Moses breaks the tablets of the covenant because Israel breaks God's covenant. Then they have to make the Ark of the Covenant as their new symbol of a renewed covenant with God. So, for Jesus' first temptation, did he pass or fail? Passed. Did Abraham pass his temptation? Yes. But did Israel pass their temptation? No. How did Jesus act different than Israel? Well, he trusted his father. He trusted his God. Put his faith in his God and allowed God to work through him. After not eating for 40 days and 40 nights, I would love to have bread. But Jesus allowed his God to be his strength so that he would not have to rely on his body. He relied on the strength of the Lord. Who do you run to when bad things happen? Or should I say, what do you run to when bad things happen? Turn with me now to Exodus 17, verses 1 through 7. This is page 65 in the Pew Bibles. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim, where there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why do you bring us up out of Egypt, to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck me, with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord not among us? Israel yet again breaks the pact. They lose their faith. They lose their trust. And by doing so, they challenge the covenant of God. They challenge God by saying, is he really going to uphold his end of the deal, his end of the bargain? But in doing so, they lose trust. Israel breaks the covenant by not trusting God yet again. Do you trust God to see you through in hard times? Now, what was Jesus' temptation? The second one, to throw himself from the building and challenge God. 
Now, I tell you that Jesus did this, did not do this, not out of a lack of faith in God, but because he wanted to honor God. By not throwing himself off of the, the roof, the highest point of the city, he honors God by not challenging him. He knew that if he jumped off, angels would catch him. But by not jumping off, he proves that he is worthy to be the son of God. Jesus keeps faith. Jesus honors God by not challenging him. And he proves that he is worthy to be the son, all in one temptation. Now, the third temptation. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians 10, 14 through 22. That'll be page 1059. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? He's talking about communion. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bread, the same bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Not only does it say that we are clearly to have no gods before God, it also says that in Exodus 24. But the main temptation for Jews in the Greco-Roman culture was to have many gods. Because in the Greco-Roman culture, in order to be somebody, someone of an office, someone majorly engaged in politics, you had to be active in the culture, which was many gods. This was a very strong temptation for the Jews. Maybe we, don't maybe we don't consider this a relative temptation for us, but maybe we make other things our idols or other things our gods. So, third temptation. You could consider it idolatry. Did Jesus pass the test or fail? Again, he passed. But did the Jews pass? Eh, some of them, maybe. Another way you can view the third temptation is a temptation for power. Turn with me now to 1 Samuel 29, which is page 279 in your Bibles. Now the Philistines had gathered all their forces at Aphek, and the Israelites were encamped by the spring that is in Jezreel. As the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands, and David and his men were passing on in the rear with Achish, and the commanders of the Philistines said, what are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the commanders of the Philistines, Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me now for days and years? And since he deserted to me, I have found no fault in him to this day. But the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him. And the commanders of the Philistines said to him, Send the man back, that he may return to the place to which you have assigned him. 
He shall not go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he become an adversary to us. He turn against us. For how could this fellow reconcile himself to his Lord? Would it not be with the heads of the men here? Is not this David of whom they sing to one another in dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Achish called David and said to him, As the Lord lives, you have been honest, and to me it seems right that you should march out and in with me in the campaign. For I have found nothing wrong in you from the day of your coming to me to this day. Nevertheless, the lords do not approve of you. So go back now and go peaceably that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. And David said to Achish, But what have I done? What have you found in your servant from the day I entered your service until now that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my lord, the king, your king? And Achish answered David and said, I know that you are as blameless, blameless in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines have said, he shall not go up with us to the battle. Now then, rise early in the morning with the servants of your Lord who came with you and start early in the morning. Just depart as soon as you have light. So David set out with his men early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. But the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Now, why did David desert from his own people to take refuge with the Philistines? It's because David lost trust in the Lord. He had spared Saul's life twice, and Saul was chasing after David to try to kill him. David grew tired. He grew hungry. He grew weak. And he just wanted the easy way out. Now, personally, I feel like maybe the easier way would have been to trust God, but it's not always the case, is it? So often we succumb to our lesser selves and we fall and find ourselves not trusting God, losing faith. David lost his trust in the Lord. By doing so, he lost the trust of his people. He put his personal needs before his people's needs. That's not what you want in a leader. Jesus keeps trust in the Lord and does not bow to Satan. When Satan says, I will give you all of this, everything you see on this earth. He didn't take a pinch of idolatry. He didn't want the earth. He didn't succumb to the, the greediness, the power. David is tired, and he bows. He allies with the Philistines. So, third temptation, Jesus, pass. David, fail. Now, the basic underlying temptation of every temptation I think we can almost say as making God less than a God or treating him as less than a God. Because whenever we are tempted, all we need to do is ask God for his power, ask God for his strength, and he will gladly empower us, making us able to power through and have success when we are faced with trials and tribulations. But how often do we treat God as less than he is? I've never been tempted to throw myself from a building, but I have asked myself where God is when I've been in bad situations. I've never been tempted to turn stone to bread, but I've been tempted by many other things. We are tempted to reject God's power to lift us above the waves when we are drowning. That's so silly. You ever thought about that? How silly are we? What has been your hardest test personally? Did you and God grow from the test? 
so often we forget his love and mercy, and we fall into the trap of the villagers. Like the villagers, something bad happens. We freak out. Where is God? Why is this happening to us? How can this be? And something good happens, and we are happy and overjoyed, which is good. There's nothing wrong with that. But when time gets rough, we are knocked down. Sometimes I think we just need to remember to turn our eyes to Jesus and let the things of earth draw strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Pray with me now. Lord, create in us clean hearts and renew a right spirit within us. Cast us not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit away from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and uphold us with a willing spirit. Lord, I ask that you come and you bring your spirit here. You set this church on fire for you. You bless us, all of us here today and those watching online. I ask that you just show us your presence, lift us up above the waters and empower us to face the trials and tribulations ahead of us. In your name, amen.